Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Well, I reckon one of the biggest and toughest things in the human condition is the issue we've been exploring over the last couple of weeks with our human condition guru, clinical psychologist, Lynn Worsley. When you hear Lynn tonight, you'll know why I call her a guru. This issue is forgiveness. And tonight we're going to explore whether forgiving people are happier people and a few interesting stories, um, real-life practical examples of how powerful this is and the price we pay when we do or don't or can't forgive. Lynn, welcome back. <laughs> Thanks for having me. You've got actually one story to kick us off tonight, haven't yes. you? Yes. Look, seven, several months ago, a man made an appointment to meet with a colleague regarding some of his personal struggles. And after sharing the heart-rendering story of his life experience, he summed it up by saying that the biggest burden he carried for his, was his inability to forgive those who had hurt him. What a heavy a bur- what what a heavy burden it was for him to yes. carry, and and my colleagues seemed to see in his eyes, and even in his manner that and his posture that he just seemed sad. Um, the mental image of him that, that um, she gave was of someone standing in a deep hole, looking up and longing to be back up in the light. That's very powerful, isn't it? Mm. And I'm sure I've seen people like that. You can see the sadness in their eyes, and how their posture is affected. You say forgiveness is a choice, and to exercise that choice, you give up a right. It's an interesting way of putting it. Mm. Explain that a bit to us, Lynn. The interesting thing was that he didn't attribute his burdens to the challenges in his life. He attributed his burdens to his inability or his refusal to forgive. Yes. And he saw that as a personal failure. Now, positive psychologists have defined forgiveness in various ways. And the definition I liked the most was one created by Robert Enright. And to him, forgiveness is a willingness to abandon one's right to resentment, negative judgment and indifferent behavior towards one who has unjustly hurt us, while at the same time fostering the undeserved qualities of compassion, generosity and even love towards that person. So we're not denying the hurt of whatever the hurt is, mm. we're not denying that we've got a feeling or a right to feel resentment. No, it actually it actually acknowledges that we all feel that we've been hurt. And to be honest, you don't feel that you have, you know, you don't feel that you have a right to resentment and the qualities of compassion and love and, and, and so are undeserved by the perpetrator. Mm. The two aspects of forgiving set the stage for the miracle and the irony that goes with forgiveness. Yes. Because so, we actually do have that right. Yeah. Let me ask that question then. Is it true that uh, when you talk about positive psychology, are uh, forgiving people happier people? Martin Luther said that forgiveness is pure happiness. Yes. The miracle and the irony of forgiving, forgiving is that to achieve this pure happiness and to heal from our wounds, we must choose to give up our right to resentment and we must choose to re-establish compassion, generosity and love towards the other person who hurt us. And it can be tough. Um, Perhaps that's why Gandhi said the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. That's a great quote. Another irony is that if we choose not to forgive, then we have to carry the heavy resentment, heavy burden of resentment and feel the negative emotions of hatred and the helplessness of the victim. Yeah. We actually carry the consequences that the wrong that was done when we don't forgive. And I think that's why and how Nelson Mandela was able to walk out of his 
imprisonment mm. and act as he did because it would have been so much of a burden to carry That's around. right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's unfair that we have to carry the burden when we've been hurt, but it basically is that we can do something about it when we want to, yeah. to forgive. Now, another um, researcher called Charlotte Van... Some of these names, I tell you later. <laughs> Charlotte Van Oyen Whitliffe wow. found that people who visualized forgiving those who had offended them experienced less anger, less sadness, and overall negative emotions compared to, to when they relived the hurt and held a grudge. And Martin Seligman found that physical health, and particularly in the cardiovascular terms, is likely to be better in those people who forgive than those who do not. Mm. Now, Everett Worthington, a researcher, said that you can't hurt the perpetrator by not forgiving, but you can set yourself free by forgiving. Everett Worthington, who has been heard on Open House, actually. So, okay, I always want to be practical, and you're so good at that. How can we actually do it? Have you got tips for us? How do you give up, for instance, the right to resentment? How do you show that compassion, generosity, and love? to someone who's offended you or hurt you? And and perhaps how do you visualise forgiving a person? Okay. Yeah. It's, I think this is hugely yeah. hard. <laughs> yes. Now, Worthington's five steps to forgiveness, they were born from his own struggle to forgive the person who raped and then brutally murdered his ageing mother yes. in a most shocking and horrific way. It's worth catching his interview on our podcast page, actually. Wow. Yeah. Now, Worthington's REACH, R-E-A-C-H acronym, helps us to remember the steps. So R is to recall the hurt, visualize the event or the circumstance, and then E, empathize with the perpetrator. Now, that's a pretty tough one. Understand his or her point of view. Especially when he's raped and murdered your mother. Oh, my goodness. A, the next one, is that altruistic gift of forgiveness, and it must be given freely without self-interest. Last week we talked a little bit about taking yourself out of the picture and thinking of their needs, some of which may need to be fa- to face the consequences of their actions. Um, and C is to commit yourself to forgive publicly. Let other people know that you're going to forgive that person. And H is to hold on to the forgiveness or forgive seventy time, seven times 70, as the scripture says. Yeah. Now, each of these steps can be extremely difficult to take and it may take some time, sometimes a long time, to take each one. There's some other ideas to help us to develop the virtue of forgiveness and these, these little simple steps like let a grudge go every day. Um, so think of a grudge that you have and just let it go. Yep. Um, when you feel annoyed, even with justification, take the high road and don't tell anyone how you feel. Because oftentimes the more we tell somebody, the more concrete it becomes in our head. It kind of locks it in, yes. yes. Write a forgiveness letter. Don't send it, but read the letter every day for a week. I'm glad you said this is really tough to do. Yeah, and acknowledge that, yes. Very. But as we attempt to reach the R-E-A-C-H to be more forgiving, we begin to feel motivating peace that propels us forward. When we forgive others, there's a sense of burden that's lifted. And when we forgive others, we give up our position as an aggrieved victim and lose the power to induce guilt and the luxury of experiencing and expressing righteous indignation. So forgiveness requires us to put aside um, our pride and to be humble. 
the man at the beginning of the story is still struggling to give his gift of forgiveness. Yes. Maybe a place to start for him and for us is to forgive ourselves. I think there's something noble and majestic and at the same time pretty humble about someone who can forgive. Those who truly forgive seem to attain a serenity that's really deep and rich. Those forgivers give a unique and a singular gift that's theirs alone to give. And that's the only person who can really give it. So as I said at the top, you've got some real life examples of how some people have shown forgiveness. Again, I love being practical. How do we achieve that forgiveness? A number of clients and friends have shared with you their insights and experiences. Take us through some of those. Okay. George, he had some angst about an ex-colleague who broke his trust and they no longer work together or, or see each other. But George, George is a valuable He's got a valuable item of stationery which was given to him by by an ex-colleague during the better days by the one that hurt him. And not wanting to be petty, previously he actually wanted to throw it out, but he uses the object and he thinks only of the good times he had at work with that ex-colleague. That's pretty strong when you talk about strength, yeah. Grace, she's in the face of another person's transgressions. She stays focused on the future and works very hard on staying true to her values and her strengths and her integrity. And this prevents her from falling into unhelpful thoughts and vengeful behaviours. Yes. Kylie, she was the recipient of verbal, verbal abuse by a colleague who was jealous of her success. Now, Worthington's reach process was very powerful and effective in helping Kylie to eliminate her own anger and to remain open and constructive to everyone, including the abuser. So that recall the hurt, so actually she felt the emotions and, and shock, um, empathised with the one she, that hurt her and she thought about the situation from the other person's perspective. The altruistic gift of forgiveness, she actually prayed for that person and said out loud, loud, loud I forgive her for saying the things she said. That's huge. She then made a commitment to forgive. So she began to pray daily for her to forgive, asking God to teach her how to forgive, as well as saying out loud to herself and to other people that she'd forgiven her. She then sought to hold on to the forgiveness. I love that bit, hold on to the forgiveness. The reason I was able to get to this point was because I was humble enough to recognize that I should react in the same way. Mm. It's what she said. We're all capable of unpleasant behaviors. So she could have been in the same boat. Yes. Joe practices self-forgiveness. He rejudges, stands back and accepts that it's okay to make a mistake. He asks, am I going to let this thought affect me? He practices being less judgmental of himself and then lessens his guilt and regret. The outcome he has is that he's got better self-confidence. Yeah. It's very powerful. Yeah. So the, the very final perspective I'll give you is offered by Sue Hayes at the Canberra Mindfulness Centre. And she said, Forgiveness can be easier if you don't try to let go of the emotions that arise when holding grudges. Instead, practice letting it be. Don't push away, just let it be. Notice and accept it, the feelings, and then turn your attention to growing something new. Growing the new means turning attention away from feeding the past and let the old just wither away with no attention to it. great wisdom. And cue the Beatles. Let it be. That's (laughs) what I feel like saying. (laughs) Okay, next week we're heading towards forgiveness and closure, what that means, and leadership and forgiveness. I think they're really 
really worthwhile conversations. I love that quote from Gandhi. Lynn Worsley, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks again. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.